are in John chapter 18 to 19. And uh, this is part three. The, the first part we, we covered was... Uh, okay. <laughs> the, the six trials. Remember? We had six trials. Three Jewish trials that were all... That were illegal... And we had three uh, trials before Pilate and Herod. Jesus went through all of those and we kind of separated those out a little bit. And then last week we talked about uh, Peter's denials. And what did we learn? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Six times. Uh, Wait, I got too many up here. There we go. There we go. Six times. He denied Jesus three before the cock crowed the first time and three more before the cock crowed the second time. Peter denied Jesus. And and we ended in Luke chapter 22 where it said, and when Peter denied him the third time, that would have been the second, third, the sixth time, when Peter denied him, the cock crowed twice and Jesus looked at Peter and Peter wept bitterly and left. Can you imagine what was going through Jesus' heart at that same time? Peter, I prayed for you. I've done everything I could for you. I'm sorry. I love you so much. But you denied me. And Peter ran off. That's where we left last Sunday. Well, we're coming back into 18 and 19 one more time. And this will, this will conclude this part of it. Because remember, the reason we're separating it is there's chaos. There's chaos that's gone on. Chaos from the time that he was arrested until the time his trials were done and he's led off to the cross. And we've tried to bring this into perspective because we're bringing in some of the other Gospels. And this particular one is going to be kind of hard. I'll warn you. When we look at the suffering of Jesus prior to the cross, the cross in itself was an agonizing way to die. But I want you to understand that, that the Bible says that Jesus suffered... For us, Mark 8, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He is going to suffer for our sin. And I think sometimes we forget that. Now now the movie that came out Uh, a few years ago called The Passion of the Christ. It's probably the first movie that I've ever seen that really depicts what Jesus went through. And even that, for sake of cinematography, really doesn't hit it because it says that he was beaten so severely that you couldn't see his face. It was unrecognizable. 
And, and for the sake of, of that movie, they didn't do that. Yes, he was, they showed the beatings that he took, but, but truly when we look at what happened to Jesus, we need to understand that he suffered not for his fault, but for ours. He suffered for our sin. And I, I, as I was listening to the songs, when he told the disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. Broken for you. They, they could not fathom the abuse that he would take. Before he got to the cross. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And we're actually going to start in Luke chapter 22. Because one of the things, if you'll remember, one of the premises that John talks about or writes from is that he doesn't record what the other ones all do. And all three other Gospels record the prayer in Gethsemane. Right? And so he said, everybody else has already written that, so I have no need to write about that. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to pick up on what it says in the Garden of Gethsemane from the perspective of what Jesus was going through physically. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. And he came out and proceeded as, he, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at that place, he said to them, Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And he re- withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And we'll stop there. And if we follow all three of the different versions or or, or different writings about this and the other two, we learn that this took place over a matter of hours. This wasn't just, oh, I'm going to go pray for 15 minutes. At one point it says, and an hour passed and he came back. So he is literally praying to the Father for hours. Now one of the interesting things that it talks about here is sweating drops of blood. And that is a very rare medical condition, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. You can, you can see it there. It's in your notes. Yeah, that one. Thank you, Gene. <laughs> but it is the, what happens is the capillaries that surround the sweat glands burst 
and the, and the blood mingles with the sweat and literally comes out of their pores. You can go into medical literature, you can read about this, but it's very, very rare. A person has to be under extreme, extreme stress for this to happen. And even in recorded medical history, it's people who are facing not just death, but literal torture that this occurs. And it says that Jesus is in agony. His body is a physical body like yours and ours. And it is going to respond to the stress. And so he begins to, to this, the blood coming together with the sweat coming out of his pores. The agony has already started. Why? Because he's praying for what? Let this cup pass from me. Now the cup was not death. The cup was not death. Jesus wasn't afraid of death. What had he already, what had he already done? He raised the young man in the city of Nain from the dead and gave him back to mom. He raised Jairus' daughter and gave her back. He raised Lazarus after being dead for four days. Was Jesus afraid of death? Absolutely not. That was not the cup. Matter of fact, he told his disciples, you're, gonna, you're going to bear the cup of death, the cup of suffering. You will bear that just like I have. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is talking to James and John. And remember, this, if you remember the story here, his mom came, their mom came up and said, hey, I would like you to put James on one hand and John on the other when you get to heaven. And Jesus answered and said, do you not know what you were asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said, we're able and he said to them, my cup you shall drink. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it's for those whom have been prepared by my Father. You will drink my cup. What happened to James? He was the first apostle to die. How did he die? He was beheaded by Herod. How did John die? John is the only disciple, the only apostle that was not martyred. And it's not because they didn't try. Because John was taken and put in boiling oil and he survived. It didn't kill him. And so they took him and they exiled him to the island of Patmos where he died as an old man. But can you imagine? I mean, I've had little burns, you know, little burns. And how they hurt. Dipped in boiling oil. He said, you too will suffer and you will die for me. So Jesus obviously said, hey, I can hold that cup. I can hold the cup of death. Because I know the resurrection 
The power of resurrection is within me. So what was he talking about? Well, it goes back to the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah, he talks about the cup being the wrath of God. In Isaiah 51, 17, it says, Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling that you have drained to the dreads. Now, what is he talking about? Israel's sin was so bad, he talks about them drinking the cup of the anger of God, the wrath of God. Because what happens with sin? We cannot stand before God in sin. The Israelites could not stand before God in sin. So what did they do? Once a year, they would go to the, they would go to the high priest and the high priest would take all of their sin and put it on the goat. And it would be sacrificed. Blood had to be spilt for the sin of Israel. And when they stopped doing that, he said, guess what? You're going to get the wrath of God. And what happened to Israel? Man, they, time after time after time, God would send an army in. And, and you would read thousands were killed. And, and the temple was torn down. And the gates were, were burned. God would come in and pour his wrath of sin until they returned to the temple sacrifice. But Jesus doesn't need the temple sacrifice, does he? Because he is going to bear the penalty for sin. 1 Corinthians 5, 21 says, And he, God, Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on whose behalf? Our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He says, I'm going to be the sacrifice once for all for your sin and my sin. He said, I'm going to pay the blood sacrifice because only through the sinless life of Jesus is that made possible. And he says, I'm going to bear that. He says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but what? Not my will but thine be done. Is there a way? Is there a way? Some other way? And God says, no. Sin has to be paid for. And you're going to do it. And he said, thank you. Yes, I'll do that for you, Father, so that you may be glorified. So we come to now this, this period of time where Jesus, he suffered emotionally to the point that he's sweating drops of blood, the agony of the, the, what he knows he's going to have to bear, the sin of the world on my shoulders, on the cross, to pay for that final payment for sin once for all. When he cried, it is finished, it was paid for. It was done. The price of sin had been paid for. 
Well, let's go to John chapter 18, and we're going to walk Jesus through this period of time. Now he's prayed in the garden, and they've come to arrest him. Look at John chapter 18, and we'll begin in verse 19. They've arrested him. They've taken him to Annas's trial number one. Remember, the high priest, the retired high priest, the first trial. And the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came together. And I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. And when he said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, It is the way you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? And so Anna sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. We start out with the first Jewish trial. Illegal as it was. Middle of the night. It wasn't held at the Sanhedrin. It was in Annas' private residence. The Romans, remember we talked about the cohort, the 500 soldiers that had gone because Jesus, they they said he's, he's an insurrectionist. So they sent the cohort. They are outside. It is the temple guard now that are assigned to Caiaphas that have been sent with with the Romans. They wanted to make sure that Annas got first shot at him. Annas hated Jesus. And as he stands there, what does he say? He says, don't ask me. Ask the people. Ask the blind man. Who's made eyes to see? Go ask Mary Magdalene who had seven demons cast out. Go ask ask the lame man that was by the pool of Bethesda that I healed. You ask any of them. I preached in the temple openly. And Ananias did not want to be embarrassed. And this temple guard stand by and Strikes him. Now that's illegal. You were not allowed to strike a Jewish prisoner before he was sentenced. You had to prove that they had committed whatever you're bringing forward. Eventually he's going to be convicted by the Sanhedrin of blasphemy. And we'll see that in just a minute. But this, this man had no right to strike him. Now, now, what do you think he did? Do you think he just smacked him up the back? What are you saying? Right? My dad used to get my attention that way. You know, I swear my dad, he was five foot two. He had the longest arms. He could reach like three, around three people that were sitting on the pew and smack me in the back of the head to get my attention. No. He balled up his fist and he struck him. Now, I don't know whether any of you have ever been in a fight before. I, I've been in a few as a police officer, but I remember the one that I remember most, I was in high school. And we had a rule in high school. 
If you started a fight, you got suspended for three days. If you were the other half that didn't start it, you only got one day suspension. And me and this kid squared off one day after school. And I said, I'm not, I'm not throwing the first punch. Stupidest decision I ever made. <laughs> I mean, he caught me right here. And uh, I won the fight. But, but that one punch that he got in, oh, man, I felt like Rocky. You know, cut me, cut me, I can't see. You know, my eye just swole up like this. I was huge. One punch. This begins Jesus' journey. One punch. It's all it takes. Whether he hit him in the eye or the mouth or the nose, things begin to bleed. Right? He sends him off to Caiaphas. The next time we see Jesus, he goes through he, he goes through his, his time at Caiaphas's house, and finally they take him where? They take him to uh, the Sanhedrin. But before they leave Caiaphas, Caiaphas is the one that says, oh, he's blaspheming. And in Luke chapter 22, verses 63 and 64, it says, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him, and they blindfolded him and were asking him, saying, prophesy, who's the one who hit you? Okay, now remember, Jesus is bound, right? Whether it was behind his back or in front of him, he was bound. And now they blindfold him. Now what happens when somebody blindfolds you? You can't see the punch coming, right? If you see a punch coming, what are you going to do? You're going to duck? Or are you going to back up a little bit? You're going to try not to take the full blunt. These men have blindfolded Jesus for a reason. He can't see that punch coming. And it says they, they were beating him. This is not one little punch. Now this, once again, is still the temple guard. The temple guard ran under the rules of the temple. We would say they were taking it easy on him. But by this time, what's happening? His eyes are beginning to swell shut. Ears may be bleeding if they catch him in the ear. Most likely eardrums ruptured from from the hits. Nose is bleeding, probably broken. Kind of hard to breathe. Blood's running down the back of his throat, making him nauseous. And that's if they only hit him in the face. All the other things that can happen in this beating. They haven't even made it yet to the Romans. John chapter 18, verse 28. And they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium so that they would not, be deni- would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. They take him to Pilate's hall, the praetorium. He is now in custody of the Romans. 
Jewish people were not going to go in. They were standing outside. They turned him over. The cohort now has him for the Roman trial. Now the Roman soldiers were known for their cruelty. They were good at what they did. They knew how to take somebody right to the point of death. And then they would revive them. Give them an opportunity to take a breath. And then they would take them right back to that point of death. They knew exactly how much the human body could take. The Romans now have him. He's inside Pilate's residence, or inside the praetorium, inside the governing hall. The Romans take Jesus, and he's going from the trial, right? He's before Pilate. Pilate sends him to Herod. And I want you to look at, at verses 38 to 40 in John. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release someone to you on the Passover. Do you wish that I release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now, I want you to get to scene. Jesus has been up all night. His face, at least, is bloodied and battered. It's swollen. He can hardly see. He's been taken through the first three trials into the second three trials, and they begin to take Jesus before the Roman soldiers. Now, the Roman soldiers themselves... They didn't believe anything that the Jewish people had. So what did they do? While they're at Herod's, they find a purple robe. And they drape it over his shoulders and say, Hail the king of the Jews! Now, the Romans weren't like the guards. See, the guards kind of got out of hand because... Caiaphas and Annas could not, Annas couldn't handle them. They got out of hand. The Romans, they wouldn't touch Jesus until Pilate let him go. Until Pilate said, he's yours. They mocked him. They put the purple robe on him. Hail the king of the Jews. Until Pilate finally comes to this point. He wants to, rep- wants to release Jesus. No, we want Barabbas. So Pilate thinks, you know what? If I have him beaten, they will think that's enough. When they see him, after he's been beaten, surely they will accept his release. And so we come to John 18, 38 to 40. Or, excuse me. We come to John 19, 1 through 5. John 19, 1 through 5. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns 
and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews. And they gave him slaps in the face. And Pilate came out and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. At this point, he's hardly recognizable as to what's happened to him. Jesus turns the Roman soldiers loose. Or Pilate turned the Roman soldiers loose on Jesus. The scourge was a whip. Not very long. What you're seeing here is what we'd call the cat of nine tails. Sometimes they only had three or four. This particular one shows nine. The Roman scourge was by itself one of the most evil things that you can imagine because at the very end of each one of these tongs, each one of these thongs was either a piece of metal or a piece of ceramic or a piece of bone. And it's not very long. I have one in my office. It's about this long. And it's designed to go around and catch the person in the rib cage. And each one of those metal pieces or, or ceramic pieces or pieces of bone would catch in the flesh, and then they would rip it back across his back. History of the Romans would show that there were people who died because it would literally eviscerate them. It would open up their abdomen, and their, their, their entrails would fall out. You could see ribs. But it was designed to inflict great pain. And what they would do is they would strip the person's clothing off of them. They would have them bound in, across usually a rock or, or a pillar so that that skin was tight. They took that and they would drive them to the point of death. And you notice something interesting in this? They beat him, right? They scourged him. They put the Roman or they put that robe back on him, that purple robe. Now what happened? All the blood begins to coagulate. They don't want him to bleed to death. Because he still has to be crucified. So they put that on us to stop the bleeding. And then they take a crown of thorns. And, and Mark talks about this crown of thorns. In Mark chapter 15, I'll get over there in a second. All right. Mark chapter 15. I want, to list, I want you to hear the way they put this thorn on his head, what they did with it. Beginning in verse 16. And the soldiers took him away from the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. And they dressed him in purple. And after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began acclaiming him, Hail, King of the Jews. 
And they kept beating his head with a reed or a staff and spitting on him and kneeling before him and bowing before him. And after they mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put on his own garments and they led him out to crucify him. This is the thorns. This is what they put on his head. These thorns are about an inch long. They put that on his head. And then what did they do? They began to drive it on his head with a small branch, beating it down. Those one inch things piercing down through his skull. It says they slapped him. He is, he is to the point now where any additional beating is probably going to kill him. So they, they back up a little bit. But then what do they do when they get ready to take him to the cross? It says they pull the purple robe off him. What happened when they pulled the purple robe off? All that quake, you've had, you've had to, you ever heard the term, just rip the band-aid off, right? All that blood that was coagulated into the purple robe is pulled off. And the blood begins to flow again. Jesus, near death, is presented before the people. His face is unrecognizable. He can hardly stand at this point. As a matter of fact, when he goes, when he takes up his cross, we find him falling under the weight of the cross. He can't bear it. They have to get Simon the Cyrene to come and carry the cross for him. He suffered for our sins. John chapter 19, and we'll finish with these two verses. Three verses. So they handed him over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to a place called the, of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they crucified him. With, with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Jesus suffered for our sins. We're going to come to communion. And you, you might say to me, Pastor Ben, that was pretty graphic. I want you to understand, A, the gravity of our sin. Our sin was placed on Jesus. The other is I want you to understand the love that Jesus has for each one of you. 
You see, that's why when Jesus that night at the Last Supper took the bread, and when he said to the apostles, this is my body which is broken for you. I think, now it says they all fled, but we know John was at the crucifixion. I imagine these guys were probably way, way off in the crowd, way back watching. And they saw their Jesus that had been brutalized by the Romans. They saw his face. They saw the crown of thorns driven into his head, the blood running down his face, running down his body. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest stars and it reaches to the lowest hell. Jesus took all of that for me and you because he loved us that much. I can't imagine that much love for me, for me and for you.